Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 184. And today we're here with Brian Mabudis from Eat Sleep Race. B, what, what up, up, bro? Chilling. Hey, so I got a beef with you, dog. What, what is that? Uh, I've, I've known you forever. We've had some intimate moments together, and it took you 184 episodes to. <laughs> No, we're not. This is the West Coast. We don't pause over here, bro. <laughs> it took you 184 episodes to get on, dog. Yeah, because this guy, nah, yo, you gotta come. You gotta be here in person to do it. Yeah, I've been telling you, I'm ready to do it on the on the Facetime. Like before COVID, you were in about it. <laughs> I wanted the face to face, dog. No pause. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you're here, bro. Um, we almost did it at Ibach last year. I know. Oh, that's right, dude. Think about it. So, guys, well, that, that was the same day that we did the Honda Pro Jason podcast. Yeah. 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 And, and then I was trying to figure things out with Jason, but he's always out signing autographs and shit. So it's kind of hard to reel that guy in. So I was like, let's that just go do it, Brian. But I learned a lot about Jason on, on that one. That was a good one. <laughs> we did, man. Real. Yeah. Jason. Jason's deep. Yeah. People, people don't know it. Yeah. I mean that I guess that that's kind of the the good thing about that podcast was for one it, it gives people um an inlook on somebody else's life when they just all they know about them is their online personality. Yeah, you know? for real. There was a lot of shocking things in that podcast, but there was definitely a lot of honesty in that podcast as well. And then that actually transitioned over to, you know, him getting a lot of feedback positive and negative on it and then when we did the second follow-up on the podcast you could tell that a lot of things that we discussed in the first that was probably the first time that those those subjects really even came to mind so he was just shooting off the hip you know but it sometimes it's good to have those kind of conversations because you know you think about life in one certain way and since your life is that way maybe you just think that that's that's correct you know but then you talk to somebody from another part of the country and they're like hey start poking holes and you're like wow maybe maybe they are right you know <laughs> and not saying that jason was right or wrong on any of his thinkings but it's it's really cool to be able to have conversations and see the conversations lead into uh you know some sort of change or growth uh J- jason's cool as jason's a cool dude in my books so yeah I like him. no i like jason too and i really like that he's comfortable enough with himself to be able to to say like yo this is me this is who i am yeah really refreshing man and that that's one thing i like to do about the with the podcast is just have these refreshing talks dude and i've been waiting to talk to you forever man we got a we got a lot to dive into let's see i'm curious what you got lined up all right dude so before we get into it can you please give us a, a just a quick summary of who you are and what you do yeah so i'm brian mabudis owner founder one of the owners and founder of eat sleep race racing lifestyle apparel brand uh started it back in 2001 so we're 19 years and running and i was man you guys do the math i was 15 16 yeah when i when i started the brand so yeah i've been i've been doing this for quite some time and i I started the brand as an enthusiast for first and foremost um luckily because of my brother, I was surrounded by the automotive and racing culture because of him. I, he, he's always been into cars, so I tagged along. Luckily, he, he let me tag along with him. I was that annoying little brother that waited in his room uh, <laughs> to see if 
my mom would make him uh, bring me out with him. <laughs> yeah. So it was like Friday night, like, yo, I'm going to go out. Like, you can't go unless you take your brother with you. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so he, he's six years older than me. So um, hanging around him and his friends, I was, li- I was the little guy just tagging along, being exposed to the culture, going to the street races. We, we went to a lot of street races. And it was literally starting at that age of maybe 14 it was nonstop just hanging out in people's garages, always surrounded around cars. So that's where the mentality of the Eat Sleep Race even came from. It started off not as a brand. It was um, when I was that young, hanging around with those guys, it was a group called Team Alpha. It literally was a team. There was about 30, 40 guys on the team. And the truth is that they had some they, they had the baddest cars in, you know, New York, New Jersey. It was a collection of the baddest of imports. It was specifically imports, you know, Supras, Civics, Integras, very notorious group at the street races. Like when when those cars rolled up, everyone at the street races knew who Team Alpha was. And I really liked being affiliated with them at such a young age that I realized like, dang, you know, every weekend, this group of like at least, you know, especially because everyone was a lot younger back then. People were in their teens and 20s. Every weekend, you know, at least out of the group of 40, 20 people or so were hanging out every weekend doing car stuff. And I thought it was so ill that that's where the motto of Eat Sleep Race came from because, like, coming seeing, seeing it as an outsider, like, yo, this is all that they do, all that we do because I'm, I'm around it. Like, you know, we literally – Everything's about cars, even on weekdays after school, like just going to hang out at people's garages. Like, yo, this is what we, this is, that defines life, eat, sleep, and racing. Because if we're not racing at the track, and we used to go to either street races or to English Town, every single event at English Town, we were, in, we were in people's garages just working on cars, hanging around cars. So, like, that's literally where the, the motto of the lifestyle came from. And, it was when I was 16, back in 2001, I asked the guys if I could design them a team t-shirt because they didn't even have team t-shirts back then. They had the banners on the car, the windshield banners on the car. But back then, Hot Import Nights was cracking. Um, there was a lot of local car shows, organized car shows. And I thought it would be cool and more so it was kind of selfish of me on my end too because I wanted a shirt mm-hmm. to to let people know I was part of this group, yeah. especially because I didn't have a car. So I told them, I was like, yo, I could, I know how to use the computer. Like, can I design some team t-shirts and I'll put the alpha um, logo on it. So everyone was like, all right, so what you going to put on the back? Cause back then they used to have, um, they used to have monthly meetings. You actually, you actually had to pay dues to be part of this group. Got you. So like, I forgot how much you had to pay to be part of the team, but the money that went into the team, it went into like hosting barbecues and whatnot. So it was, it was, it was a real organized, um, functional team. And at that meeting, I remember we were in the parking lot and everyone was like, well, what's going to go on the back? And I was like, I had this drawing on the back of my notebook, which is the original logo. Um, the original design of Eat Sleep Race. It's a three box logo. Actually, I got my black book in front of me. I'll look for it later. Okay, this stuff's going to move. I have the back of my notebook. Um, where that was sketched and yeah I'm, i remember i was like yo i'll show it to you guys later and i showed it to them like yo that's it'll put it on the back of the shirt and then that's how the brand started because everyone started wearing that shirt 
to all the events and then people started asking like yo could i buy that shirt and back then first couple years like everybody would say no like nah these are like that's our design yeah like you can't get it unless you're part of the team type deal and then a couple years later into hot import nights it's funny my dad came and my dad was the one who pointed it out he's like yo bry there's like these little um you know the the vendors mm-hmm. selling stickers that are like eat sleep toyota eat sleep mm-hmm. honda and i'm like yo what the hell like that was a thing back in the day like eat sleep whatever eat sleep nissan yeah that was a rip off of what i made and that's that's the legit fact of it like they were using the plate and the bed and then the third box they would change whatever so all that stuff that you would see at like you know flea markets back then flea markets were cracking back then Mm -hmm. like all the vinyl makers they were actually ripping my logo because i designed that two or three years prior to all these other you know all the other vendors even selling them and it used to piss me off so much because eat sleep race right those are three verbs you can't eat sleep honda bro (laughs) (laughs) it get me so mad yo it got me so mad like yo, you can't eat sleep Toyota. <laughs> like they, they kind of made it real corny, right? Like this, this, like to me when I made it, like it was so, it was so hard. So like yo, eat sleep race. This is what we fucking do, and I still I feel it in my fucking veins when I say it, right? Like yeah, like fucking eat sleep Toyota. Like yeah, y'all play you playing my shit out. <laughs> But yeah. it was at that point where, you know, my dad made it realize in my head, like, yo, these mother- they're making money off of something I designed. Yeah. I didn't even have, I had no idea of, like, even how to start a business. I mean, you know, I'm 16, 17. Yeah. I was like, I don't even know how to even sell shirts, how, how to, how to you know, get the vendor space and whatnot. Got you, got you, got you. But it clicked. And then I asked the guys at, the like, one of the meetings, I was like, yo, do you guys mind if I take this three box logo and start selling it? And it was a little debate, but at the end of the day, they're like, yo, you made it like whatever. It's yours. If that's yeah. what you want to do. That's what you want to do. Like, we're still going to rep it. Yeah. Like, oh, that's tight. So that's the organic foundation of the brand. Like it was literally created for our group, our team. And now it's, it's freaking, it's, it's gone over my head quite a few times. Like, it's a world recognized, worldwide recognized brand. I mean, we have a car racing in NASCAR. That was like the epitome for me. Like, that was a pinnacle that I never even. It's sad to say, but I couldn't even dream of it because I knew how hard it was to get into NASCAR, and that's that's a failure on my part because you shouldn't limit your dreams, right? Yeah, but that was something that when it when the opportunity happened with joe graph like man we are going to have a eat sleep race nascar car and then you know joe graph and his team his father they they've blown my mind out of the water more than i have in the career i've had with eat sleep race in the one year of working with them so we started off with Eat Sleep Race NASCAR racing 30 races in the um, now I can't forget what series they were running in mm. but then they blew my mind when they were like yo 
Uh, Joe's going to be running three Eat Sleep race cars on Richard Childress Racing. And to tell you the truth, I didn't know much about NASCAR. I was a NASCAR noob. I was literally learning about NASCAR because of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And when I was like, oh, that's cool. What's Richard Childress Racing? And they're like, yo, that's Dale Earnhardt's team. I was like, wait, what you mean? Like, that's the team that he raced on, that he won, you know, majority of his championships on. I was like, whoa, no way. No way. And then, so the way I could compare it for people who don't know NASCAR is the Yankees is, you know, like one of the most recognized, respected baseball teams, even though they don't win every championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They you know, depending if you're a New York fan or not, you know, they could either be top three, top five in the MLB, but that Richard Childress is top three, or, you know, they mm-hmm. might even be considered number one race team in NASCAR out of the dozens and when they were saying like he basically got signed to that team which he did like yo that's freaking nuts that's basically like babe ruth Derek jeter on the yankees now you had dale earnhardt joe graff jr with a with a eat sleep race car mind blown so yeah we we had a car on that team for three or four races and I actually got to go down to that facility in North Carolina, and it's insane. You can see it. You can actually see the tour that I did on the Eat Sleep Race YouTube channel. That place, I thought, and I've also been told, that it is the best racing facility in the U.S. Yeah, like it's a campus. Like they own a block, a street, and it's like twenty, thirty buildings of just nonstop. Whoa, and. It's it's a crazy operation down there. Richard Childress is like the OG OG of NASCAR racing, and yeah, like they have a whole museum just for Dale Earnhardt. They got the number three car, like they they've got dozens of number three cars there, number three cars there. It's 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 it's, it's insane going into their workshop. So they've got two levels. You you can watch on the YouTube channel on the Eat Sleep Race YouTube channel. They got two levels. They got they call it the it's like walk of fame or something but you go upstairs and you could see like a sky view level of like how deep their their workshop goes and i want to say like yo the place is so white and so pristine that like it just glows as soon as they open up that door and like when you're up there when i walked in for the first time to see like how like there was like three or four eat sleep race cars just laid out and like perfectly (laughs) organized on the floor i'm like dude this is yeah, like would have never thought. What'd that feel like? Wouldn't that like would have never thought. It was like the feeling of winning the lottery. That's what I, that's the way I compare it. Like, yo, so that's what winning the lottery feels like. <laughs> like that's that's like that feeling of sheer happiness of yeah. like, I can't believe I'm I'm looking at this right now. Like I I tried doing the vlog, but I was so speechless doing like walking through the place and realizing like right now they hit me up a couple weeks after we went there. They put our logo, like, they put it permanently on their wall in that Walk of Fame. And I'm like, yo, this is bananas. Like, we're in, we're part, we're permanently part of, like, wow. you know, history. Richard Childress Race and Dale Earnhardt, like, and freaking Eat Sleep Race made by a 16-year-old or 14-year-old kid and not, let alone, I got to mention this Filipino kid in New Jersey. Like, it's wild. I love it. I love and I want to say we, I, I, I am the only Filipino involved in NASCAR. Like, that's that's my claim to fame for all Filipinos. Like, yo, like you, for something for all Filipinos to know, like, yo, we have a Filipino-owned company 
in NASCAR. Like that's wild. Love it, man. I remember seeing the uh, when you were going into the NASCAR, and I was just like, "Whoa, B, this is this is a huge step. This is something that I I never even expected, you know." And uh, when I seen the wrap on Joe's car, and then I actually went to a race uh, with Christian and yeah. I. Uh, you you got us taken care of with some passes over there. We went to go check out Joe race and going behind the scenes and stuff and it was just it was amazing man it just just the sound and the feeling being there and it was it was awesome and it definitely gave me a new respect for uh for nascar for sure because i just never spent any time in in the community trying to figure out or anything like that but that's more serious than any other automotive event that i've ever been to hands down and you don't let it be known of course like yeah nascar is cool and all but of course i i know what what the brand is and where we came from and we're never gonna leave it like we are a tuner based brand i i started off um, my first car was a honda civic ek um actually it's right there on the wall oh okay but long story short i started building that car when i was 16 um i'll make it really long story short I was fortunately blessed by my parents who got it for me in an unfortunate circumstance. Um, my brother's friend and a family friend of ours who I always looked up to, like I thought this dude was the coolest guy that I knew. Like this dude was like the stylish, like he always knew, like this dude was so cool to me. Like I always looked up to him. I, I, I feel like a lot of kids, like there's always that one person like, yo, that dude's so cool, whether it's a celebrity or you know, somebody you know, like this was that guy to me. And when I first saw his car when it was silver, I was like, dude, I want a car just like Leo when, when I could drive. And w unfortunately, he passed away. He had um, he had health issues. I, I, I heard the car was going up for sale to his cousin, and I asked my mom. I was like, yo, like, that's like, I, 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 I don't know how to verbalize it, like, I need that car. Like it's Leo's car. Like, can you please call his parents and like nobody knows how much that car means to me. Like, I know I I I'm too young to even have a car, but I don't know what I'd do if I if I don't get like if if it ends up in somebody else's hands and they don't respect the car as it should should be. Yeah. So fortunately, like they worked out a deal in which um I I got the car and I feel. I put everything that I had into that car. Like literally, I I, I worked two jobs as a 16 year old. I worked at CVS and KB Toys. I was you know hustling mixtape CDs at school. You know I was your everyday kid hustler selling candy out the out the logger. Literally, you name it, everything except drugs. Yeah. <laughs> um. And yeah, like every single dollar I had went into that car, and wow. it. It tore me apart. It turned my life around when it got stolen out of my driveway. My right before my senior year of college, literally the weekend before I went, I moved back to school. Somebody stole it from my driveway, and it literally just turned my world upside down. Fuck. That was also the reason why Eat Sleep Raise happened. So it's kind of like there's that silver lining. I was I was hustling Eat Sleep Raise out of the trunk of that car at events before I even knew how to book a vendor space. And when that happened, I didn't have the car anymore. I kind of still, well, I still wanted to go to events and I kind of found purpose to go to events with Eat Sleep Race. 
because with the money that I got from insurance, which wasn't a lot, I got I got screwed on it. Like I didn't I didn't know about collector car insurance and nothing back then. We just had a regular full coverage policy on it. And the car was a '97. It wasn't worth nothing. I think I got like two thousand dollars from mm. insurance for it. Yeah, it got complete. I basically lost everything that we had have put into it. My car was fully fully done up. Um, I took that money, flipped it into inventory for T-shirts. And that's literally where, you know, some of the first inventory for Eat Sleep Race even came from. And then during those years of going to events, that's when uh, I brought in my partners. And of course, I got to mention them. Uh, my brother and Hugo were my original two partners. And just as of late, Hugo's brother, Eric, who's been working with us and since I want to say over 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Just recently did he become a partner because he, without him, you know, the brand wouldn't have made it this far. Definitely. He's been a integral part of keeping the brand alive and growing the brand. So he just recently became a partner. So there's four of us that are partners of Eat Sleep Race right now. And yeah, that's 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 the groundwork of how uh, we came around. I love it, man. I remember back in 2010, that's when I first even heard about the brand. Well, I had I had heard about it prior to that. But uh, I was at Import Alliance Summer Meet 2010, and um, that's when I ran into your brother because we were brother, in yeah, booths yeah. like, like neighbors. Maybe it yeah, was yeah. it was like a couple booths away. But you know, I'm chilling there, and then when it's slow or when we're setting up or whatever, I just went over there and I checked it out. And then, uh, I mean, just like you, your brother has an awesome personality, and we we just started talking, and then just became cool off of that. You know, and then uh, I don't know when it was that you and I ended up meeting, probably when I did my first H day, um, which was 2012. 2012 was my first H day. But then after, uh, you know, meeting you, Hugo and Eric, I was just like, man, this is uh, this is different than just a brand flipping T-shirts. This is like real family environment. And then, you know, keep going every year. After that, you go to the events, and then you'll see a bigger tent. Then you'll see multiple tents, and then you'll see like your wife, and then uh, all the other guys, a significant others working the booths, and then friends and things like that. And it's just it's real cool to see the the community that Eat Sleep Race has uh, has cultivated in in this short amount of time. You know? Yeah, it, that's I and I got of um. I got to credit the the community that we have to why the brand even exists and why it continues to exist. And I could recommend that to anybody building a brand. That's actually the the number one key thing. And you know it. You're a great example of it. Brands exist because of the community and the supporters behind it. You could have a great product, but without a community to back it, it's not going to go far. So great products it's great products make money great brands build a great business so in order to further if you have one product you got to turn that product into a brand in order for it to have longevity and in order to build a brand you have to have a community backing it to grow it and to make sure it stays around and like you just said the you could just see it within the partners. It's me and my brother and Hugo and his brother. It's two brothers, two sets of brothers that own the business. And then our community, our immediate community, our friends that we consider family. Like that that core group of Team Alpha, 
to this day, I still hang out with a majority of them. For everybody who still has a car, we still hang out. For those who got out of cars, a lot of them are coming back, and we're still here, so they're yeah. coming back around. And it's just a network that keeps growing beyond that because their friends are their friends, support what they support. And that's really how the brand continued to grow be, way before social media even existed, right? So many. So that's one thing that um, Eat Sleep Race, it, it's its just a fact um, to acknowledge. We are one of the first motorsports brands to, to do it. Besides us um, was Alpine Stars mm-hmm. and Pacific Rim. And... You know, those those were the biggest. Of course, there was Greg out in California who has always been part of the apparel culture for the tuner scene. But I don't think he really I don't think he had a brand for his stuff back then. But now he's massive. And that that is awesome to see. But back then we were a handful of motorsports apparel brands doing it for the culture. Like we literally were the culture. Yeah. And now I'm a dime a hundred. There's hundreds, you know, if not thousands, because every every influencer now is a brand of their own. And that's just a fact that is that has apparel for the tuner community. So. Just just to see where it came from, from, you know, like a handful of three, four brands for the if you're into if you were a tuner and you wanted to buy clothes that related you to the culture there you you didn't have much to choose from and that's honestly the reason that's the exact reason why i created the first couple designs i've always been into streetwear always been into sneakers been collecting jordans wearing jordans since i was a kid so that actually reflected into my car like my car has always had a nike check on it yeah and it's funny the the joke is back then in the in the late 90s and early 2000s this is just a fact. The only culture who put Nike checks on their cars were, for some reason, Mexicans used to always put the just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but people would always think I was Mexican because I put the Nike check on it. Yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't the case. I was just a sneakerhead, and um, sneakerhead was a very was it was a subculture back then in the late nineties, early two thousands. So low key, like now, nah, like I have a nike check on this car because i love sneakers yeah but because i like sneakers the clothes that i wore stussy supreme streetwear brands the hundreds yeah um 10 deep uh, mighty healthy those were brands the earliest brands of streetwear back then that's when streetwear just started to boom like brand bobby hundreds mm-hmm. like the og those were the guys bape you know those were the guys who started streetwear they created the culture that I loved, so it was a mix of both. Like, damn, I love cars, I love streetwear, I love sneakers, but there's no apparel that I could wear that represents the two for me. Yeah. So Alpine Stars, like, they're more motocross. Like, I, yeah, it's motorsports, but I don't feel comfortable wearing Alpine Stars and driving my Honda wearing, yeah. you know, my, my Jordans. So. To the same point, like I didn't even know Pacific Rim was a thing back then because literally the internet was just starting to get cracking. Like ordering stuff online was not common back then. That I was like, you know what? Let me make some shirts, some designs that go with my Jordans mm-hmm. that 
that look that relates to car culture. So one of the first T-shirts I ever did, and it's influenced by everything that I like, it was a shirt with, oh, I can't forget, Alphanumeric was another OG streetwear brand that yeah. fused together. And I just, unfortunately, they disappeared. They, they went out of business. But they were the first to do it. They put a Honda motor on a T-shirt, and they just did it because they were Honda guys too. Yeah. Nobody knew what it was. I, I think as a kid, I had three, four of those shirts just because I knew what it was. Yeah. And because Alphanumeric went out of business, I took that concept and I was like, I'm going to put a Honda motor on a shirt. Yeah. I did it in colorways of the, these Jordans that I had. And the three other designs were also influenced based off of sneaker colorways. And I did it because I wanted clothes to match my sneakers that I could wear with my car. Mm-hmm. And that's that's literally why the brand came into existence is because I saw I filled the void of, man, if you like cars, if you like tuner cars, there's no brand for you to wear right now, especially on the East Coast, because we didn't know what was going on on the West Coast in terms of clothes. Yeah. Because you weren't buying, you weren't ordering clothes online like that back in the day. I found out about Pacific Rim at Formula D when we did an event there. The owner, uh, Jerry, came by the booth and he's like, yo, this is dope. He's like, I own this website, Pacific Rim, and I want to sell your stuff. And I was like, I've never heard of it. When I go on his website, like, oh, you guys basically doing like what we do. Cool designs, streetwear influenced designs, but out on the West Coast. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, that's dope. So that that was one of the things that opened the door for us to get the brand exposed to a larger community back then because – he was very well known on the West Coast. We were very well known in you know the tri-state area. So like to continue to spread the brand to the West because now he was he was buying inventory, taking it to the events that he was selling at, and he also added us to the website. So now Eat Sleep Race was read, easily available on the West Coast. Dude. So that was, that was one of the stepping stones to exposing the brand. I love it, man. Um, so back in the day, were you heavy on uh, Nike Talk? Oh, of course. B U R one three A R R Y Burberry. <laughs> yeah, I was I was constantly posted on the what W W D what what did you W D Y D what did you wear? Yeah. Yeah, I would always post my outfits on there and I I would make it a point to put sneakers and the Eat Sleep Race t shirts. Yeah. And I'll work my car into it to let people know, like, yo, I'm a car dude that likes sneakers. But yeah, no, Nike Talk was the OGs know about Nike Talk. Yeah, there's a lot of big names uh, that were on Nike Talk back in the day, right? Nike Talk, um, Ben Baller, um, Bobby Hundreds. Yeah, I mean a lot of the a lot of the triple OGs came out of Nike Talk. So yeah, definitely that's raised off of the forum days. You know, Honda Tech. Yeah. For for Honda guys, um, my brother and Dave, uh, his partner Dave, actually owned a very popular forum for the East Coast guys called Speed Lounge back then. So it was pretty cool because we piggybacked off of each other. So if you if you were trying to find out was what was going on in Tri-State back then, like Speed Lounge was the forum to go to. So he was also my partner, so he was running his forum. So we were promoting the brand on his forum, giving it that much more exposure. So it was a lot of the things collided way before you know instagram facebook came around yeah so yeah once once instagram and facebook came around that's when we started becoming a dime a dozen to other motorsports apparel brands because when i learned how to make clothes 
you know, it was not as easy as it is today. Like anybody could literally make a T-shirt right now. You could go on, you know, whatever website you want to go to and just submit your design and have your T-shirt at your door in a day. Mm. Back then, like I was looking through a yellow page book. How do I print T-shirts? And that's where I found the word screen printer because yeah. I was like, oh, shoot, what is a screen printer? <laughs> yeah. I didn't go to school for any of this. Like I didn't go to school for graphic design, nothing like uh, I'm self-taught on computers on, you know, I, I have my black book literally it's right under here. But if I touch it, all this other stuff's going to fall down. I, w- I was that kid in class that instead of paying attention, I was always doodling in my, in my, in my, in the back of my notebooks. And I saved a bunch of the backs of my notebooks and it's in here. Yeah. So it's pretty dope. I remember uh, for when we did that, uh, Huffy talk, you were showing a uh, bunch of the old I, pictures, right? I'm pulling it out right now. You're going to hear a bunch of shit falling over. <laughs> it's all good, bro. This is history, <laughs> man. Looking at it right here. It's pretty dope. Like, literally, wow. this, is, this is the back of my junior year notebook. Gotcha. I want to say. Oh, no, they used to racism on there. But, yeah, it was just one of those things. Like, I was just, just always sketching and doodling and whatnot. So, Oh, Got you a lot of graffiti. Yeah, uh, I was very um because of my brother. I was very uh the four elements of hip hop. Yeah, type yeah, deal. yeah. I was one of those guys that tried everything. Oh, this one's pretty dope. I didn't see this. So this is this actually defines what what I was into. Oh so shit! It's a car, uh-huh. clothes, sneakers. So that's literally what I just told you, right? Like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's what I was into. I wish I dated this because. This looks like something I made back in high school because it's got the Alpha logo on it. But, you know, th- this is literally why the brand exists today. It's because I-, I liked these three things and I brought them together into one thing. Yeah. But I figured out how to do it on my own. I didn't go to school for it. And, you know, we made it this far. I love it, dude. So when did you find out that you had um, like a-, a creativity, a creative side of you? Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and we'll be back in one minute. Hilto Automotive has been a supporter of Downtime with Downstar for quite some time now, and we know that they're in your corner, that they got your back, whether you're under a car or you just need some help. No matter your race, creed, engine platform preference, that motto stands true. Accord, Civic, S2000, any Honda, any customer, anywhere in the world, with equal respectful treatment for all. We at Downtime with Downstar share these values. And as a special gift to Downtime listeners, they are giving you guys a special deal. Using the Let's Deal function at the top of HeeltoeAuto.com, you'll find an option to request a special quote. Submit a special quote using the key phrase, I'm down with Downstar. Once again, the key phrase is, I'm down with Downstar for a special deal on whatever you're shopping for. And of course, if you need any help, Marcus from Heeltoe is available by call, text, email to help out. Heeltoe wishes you guys a happy, healthy, and safe 2020. So I know a lot of you guys are questioning, what is this whole cult thing that's going on? Well, we at Downstar are starting our own cult. What is it? Are you gonna have to drink punch? Are we gonna sleep with your wives? No, none of that yet. But what it is, is a direct number to us, meaning me, Frank Downstar, I'm the one that's answering the text. So please, right now, text us. 818-403-3473. You're just gonna have to follow a couple simple steps, get added to your contacts, 
and uh text us you know let us know what you're thinking of the episode so far if you guys have any questions anything like that anything even want to talk about life man just shoot us a text we're here to help you guys out and we're here to have some fun man and uh that's what the cult's about so come join the cult 818-403-3473 no charges we're not going to be selling your info no bullshit like that guys just straight up fun so make sure you guys shoot us a text right now 818-403-3473 and uh enjoy the rest of the episode have a good day i want to say because of hip-hop um it started off with djing um me and my brother started djing because my uncle was a, a dj who always dj'd like house parties and stuff so we had access to his turntables and then that's because we were always listening to Hot 97, mm-hmm. um, when he when he let us start using his equipment is when we started going to the record stores and building our record collection. And it's because of that, always seeing the album covers and being inspired by looking at that stuff, like, yeah. yo, I could draw like this, or I want to draw like this. And that's when I started educating myself about the hip-hop culture. I mean, I, I'm talking, I'm like six, seven years old, yeah. reading this magazine because my brother's buying it because he's 12, 13, right? Yeah. And literally that's that's how we were learning about the culture back then i mean we grew up in the suburbs of new jersey where you know even though new york was an hour away we didn't know anybody mm. <laughs> to out with there so learning about hip-hop culture through magazines and movies like wild style and um man, paid in full yeah and it's to society <laughs> like literally like growing juice yeah. like growing up with movies like that um is where and listening to wu-tang biggie naughty by nature you name it like that's where the influence came from overall it's like all right well yo i I love hip-hop so tried djing i wasn't good at it i wasn't that good at it my brother was a lot better than me so i was like all right i like breakdancing i like watching breakdancing started buying breakdancing you know vhs tapes collecting those trying to breakdance i sucked at that yeah (laughs) forget M- mc like rap and forget about it i'm not even gonna try it <laughs> i already know let me let me not even start yeah and then that's where like graffiti came into it as well and then I, that's where i naturally just taught myself like yo i like this i'm i'm not too bad at drawing i and not to say i'm i'll, I'll never say i was a graffiti artist but you know i did have some tag names that i, I was writing but that's when i picked up like I have a creative side to myself. Yeah. And then that's when I learned how to use computers. Back then I had an old old school Windows computer and literally I, w- I want to say like designing on a computer started off with Microsoft Paint. Yeah. Like oh, you, you could draw on a computer and then that's where I, I couldn't afford Photoshop back then and it was like Photoshop 1 back then. Mm. My computer was probably even too slow to run it. So I was using whatever whatever was free to make designs online. And then I do remember I was in grade school when I first learned how to make websites on Angel Fire. Mm-hmm. It was like Angel Fire and something else. And that's where that's where my computer knowledge came from. It was self-taught back then. It was the 56K modem. Yeah. And you're doing code and stuff? Yeah. People still get on me because I... AOL was how we got onto the internet back then. I still use the same AOL email address <laughs> today. Yes. You could go back to my inbox because my inbox is still full. I will, I, I'll, I'll keep it for as long as AOL is in existence. But I got emails from freaking 
early 2000s, late 90s in there. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I love I, it. I think at some point, like, AOL hit me up, like, yo, we're going to delete your inbox because <laughs> there's too much stuff in it. But they, they didn't. So, um, did that, did uh, your computer work have to do with uh, you making the mixtapes as well? Figuring out how to get the music and, and burning it and such? So, what was it back then? I think it was Napster. It, was, it started off as Napster, and then after Napster started, um, you know, getting Lime. in the battles with uh, Metallica, then it turned into LimeWire, BearShare, Morpheus, yeah. Kazaa. Um, there was there were so many, and it was like every few months or so, something else would pop up, or you would just toggle back and forth. No, that's right. I mean, as a kid, you name it, I tried it from literally every sport to building computers and whatnot. So, like, some period of my life as a kid, I was really into building computers from scratch. Got you. And that's when I like was buying CD burners. CD burners back then were one X. It yeah. would take like eight. <laughs> to 12 hours one for X. one cd with 10 tracks on it and i'd freaking punch the walls of my parents house when like it would stop burning like after six hours like yo what the fuck is <laughs> waiting all day yeah and then finally got to 2x 4x 18x or 16x 64. and i remember back then spending 500 on like a 32x and i'm like yo it's totally worth it because I, all i got to do is like flip 10 cds at school and i could pay for this yeah because back then, yeah, like kids weren't up on down being able to download music and how to burn it. Nobody had burners because burners were expensive back then. So yeah, I was, I was literally, you know, it's crazy up there. I have yeah. an OG stack of blank CDs from back then. Like, <laughs> I think one of like the great, as you can see, like I'm a hoarder. I yeah. hoard a lot of stuff. So like that's one of the things. Like I know, like I got an OG wrapped pack of like 10x CDs up there because. Yo, that was my money to me. Like, I would have, you know, that stack of CDs when I would bring it home from, like, CompUSA was where I would buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The CDs, like, yo, this this 100 pack, whatever I was flipping for, if it was, like, $10 a CD, like, yo, about to make a stack off of it. Hell yeah. And every day, yo, I remember at school, I would, I would have printouts, like a blank sheet of paper with lines on it. Yeah. I, like, yo, I put my locker number on it. I was like, yo, pass these out. Like, if you want CDs, it had a price on it, whatever it was, like 25 bucks or 20 bucks. Yeah. You could list 20 songs on it, but I can only guarantee I'll get you 10 of them. Yeah. Drop it off in my locker and and let me know what locker you're at so I could drop off your CD when it's done. Yo, I would, every day I was coming home with orders and ripping ripping CDs nonstop. That's crazy, bro. There's, there's so many parallels between your and I's story. Um, and that's why we connected to begin with. Yeah. Because we... We immediately recognized when we met each other and we were telling each other about ourselves like, yo, we're like reflections of each other in a different coast yeah. of just natural hustlers, you know, like, like I said, like I hustled literally everything be besides drugs. That yeah. I went to Costco with my mom to buy boxes of M&Ms and, you know, I would look at it like, yo, there's 40 packs of M&Ms in here. I'm paying eight bucks for it. Forty dollars. I'm gonna flip everyone for two bucks. You know, yeah. Like, I'm a triple up or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's where that's where my business mentality came yeah. from. That's honestly why I'm in business today. It's because of how I was as a kid. Yeah. And I got that from my mom. My mom was the same way. Oh really? Like, my mom. My mom's always been a nurse, but she's always she was always doing something on the side. She was really into arts and crafts, 
So she was always slanging her arts and crafts at work. Like she would make like custom photo albums, like these photo albums that she would buy blank photo albums like this at like AC Moore. Gotcha. And then she would like design them and people were paying her for it. Like that. And that's just one out of, she used to um, do, uh, what do they call those flower arrangements, Mm -hmm. all types of like, that's, that's where I think a lot of my creativity came from, from my mom. Cause she did the same stuff. Like she was always hustling, doing like an extra side hustle. And, she was into the arts and crafts, so I think that's where a lot of this came from. Got you. Now, um, it's it's so crazy. Like I said, that there's so many similarities. Um, when you meet these people, I know, like like you and I, you kind of just get that feeling, right? And you're just like, yeah, this person understands what I'm going through, or understands the way that I'm thinking, or understands the way that my my brain um, my brain works. <laughs> yeah. So there was a one time that uh, you went to Complex Con. Tell me about that because I remember my first time at Complex Con, and uh, after you told me about yours, it was like it was like the same thing, dude. Like the same feelings that you had were the same that I got. Yo, the first Complex Con, I was, I had this smile that I had at Complex Con because in my mind, so. Outside of Eat Sleep Race, I also produce. I'm the production manager, and I do the marketing for OGS 1320. And our marquee events there are H Day, formerly Honda Day, right? So obviously, you, you you're well aware of that. And that's a story of, of its own of mm-hmm. how I got involved with Javier and OGS 1320 because it's pretty. It's a cool story because it's full circle, right? Yeah. As an enthusiast, I was going to those events. I was I was an attendee. Fast forward, I'm the one hosting the events now, yeah. right? I'm I'm the one producing the events, and it's it's a crazy story because I went from a spectator to a vendor to now I'm the one, you know, behind the scenes running the show with Javier. Like it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty crazy pr- story of how it happened. But to know how it is to produce an event, and when I went to ComplexCon, it was mind-blowing what they were able to organize it was a mesh of everything that i like as a person i mean you had cars there you had celebrities there you had music you had art you had clothes you had sneakers you had food it was everything that this guy likes and is interested in because as much as i am a car guy don't get it twisted like i'm not just a car guy and I got no shame to that. Like I like a whole lot of stuff besides cars, and this this actually right here defines yeah. everything that I like. And it's, I mean, it's everything that I just said. And it's, it was at ComplexCon, and that's why I say like the smile that I have now. It was at ComplexCon because I saw it all blended together, and there were so many people there that I thought it was so dope that like there's so many people interested in what I also like. Yeah. Which is also a reason why I like to go. I've always liked going to events, race events, because it's it's dope, especially like at Honda Day. You know, going to an event where there's so many other people that enjoy what you enjoy, right? So like, if you love Hondas, like going to H Day, like you know, ten thousand people there who also like Hondas. That's dope. Yeah. Being around the same people with the same mindset as you. So it's the same thing at ComplexCon. Like, yo, all these people are here because we all like the same shit. So 
it was an ill experience and the the amount of effort that all these companies put into building out their areas and the thought process and money and time invested that I know a lot was invested to put their uh, activations together. Like, you know, it was such an ill experience and it's kind of sucks that they can't do it this year because of COVID. But yeah. oh yeah, they, they, they got a good thing going there. Yeah, definitely, man. And I know that we had a, a conversation after complex con about, you know, the, the growth that needs to, uh, the, I mean, it doesn't need to happen. It would be very nice for it to happen if people took a little more time to focus on, on their presentation of their own brands rather and stepping away from more of the, the swap meet style versus like a premiere style, you know, and, 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 you, and we took that, you, you went to complex con absorbed it. And then I think it was tuner Evo yeah. where you did first activation with like the the brick walls but you basically made it look like it's this whole set right here and that that was it i mean that's why that's why i like you like as a person (laughs) and as a business person like you you're a sponge like i am like i go to things i enjoy it but i also learn from it and i try to apply it to what i'm doing as well so like music festivals and all like i love music and i'm I'm very open-minded when it comes to music, like hip-hop. Of course, I, I, I grew up on hip-hop. Um, I, I like literally every, pretty much every genre of music. I've gone to, you know, dozens of EDM festivals, like you name it. Like I, I'm, I'm a sponge of all these different cultures, and I try to um, express that in the brand. And that's also why I love the brand so much because I get to express all these ideas inside of my head. So regardless of if it's for business or not like i love having the brand because it's it's an expression of all these creative ideas that i have in my head that i'm able to bring them to life yeah and not just for myself but to know that other people enjoy it as well it's like that cool satisfaction that you get like you create something and like oh shit other people like it too type deal yeah definitely man especially like that you can mix everything the automotive you know hip-hop culture fashion everything and you mix it into one and then it comes out in your brand now do you ever feel like you're uh you're put into a box with your brand that you can't go outside because some things don't have to do with uh automotive community no because i'll just make it apply to automotive community right <laughs> put a spark plug on there or something yeah for real like literally that's that's what's dope about it because if you know i get influenced by something at complex con like Yo, that got nothing to do with motorsports, but I like it, so I'll, I'll remix it and make it related to motorsports, yeah. right? So yeah. that's the that's that's the um, that's the beauty of owning your own brand. There there is no boundary. Like I, I I do what I want, and that's that's exactly what you do with Downstar, yeah. right? Like, what's Downstar Skate got to do with bolt-on parts for cars? Nothing, <laughs> but it's my brand. I can make. Yeah, it yeah. This is what down. If Downstar wants to make uh, whatever Downstar wants to make tomorrow, yo, that doesn't make sense. Who are you to say it doesn't make sense? It's my brand. Yeah, you're looking at the brand in a totally different way. You are, yeah, you're you're the brand, right? <laughs> yeah, whatever you're you're interested in. So yeah, no, there's no boundary. Definitely. You know, you you always say about um, you know, everything comes full circle, and just hearing some of the stories that you were just talking about put it all together. Isn't it crazy that with OGS you were able to do that um, that concert series that you guys did, and that was with uh, in part with Funk's Flex. 
Tell me about that. Yo. Because that's like an ultimate full circle right there. That was... That's full, full circle right there. So Javier had the... Uh, and I'm just thankful Javier invited me to be part of that team. Definitely. Because that that was something Javier worked out with Funk Flex on his own. And it was a, it was something like, hey, if you want to be part of this, you can. But, you know, this these are the responsibilities that come along with it. Yeah. And I was like yeah <laughs> like like hearing like the lineup that would be in that was involved with it like uh like this is full circle for me like like i said i, I I've, I've gone to a lot of music festivals a lot of concerts you name it from jay-z hip-hop edm you you name the biggest names in all different genres like i've made every effort to see them live so that's also something that I've applied to H Day events, right? Like H Day has a stage. Like, yeah. It was kind of an evolution to turn that stage into things that I've seen at a, a, at festivals. Like, yo, we gotta apply this to what we do here as well, which is why you know we, it, it it has even more of a lifestyle element than it than it had, which it's always had. Yeah. Um, we're just adding more to it, but yeah, it 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 got to the pinnacle with the Flex Fest, so. Javier and um, Funk Flex did an event in the early 2000s and to record, I think it was the w- largest event at Raceway Park. Mm. It was uh, Funk Flex. It was his first or, or second car show there. And it's it wasn't only a car show. They did a concert. And I was there as an attendee. Like, I was a spectator. Um, because we knew Javier as a friend back then, we, we just knew of each other he invited team alpha to do a uh, race exhibition mm. it was only alpha cars that were invited so like i said like alpha was well known um in the area so he only invited team alpha cars to race and do a drag racing exhibition and he had flex back then had all the biggest names there you name it from fat joe terror squad what's mm. the rhymes so for me as a spectator like yo this is ill hip-hop cars like this is dope and then flex went off and you know grew that brand and went all went on tour across the u.s he ended up getting his ford deal and all that that was during the dub era gotcha yeah 20 inch wheels were just becoming a thing back then chrome 20 is on fords and like suburbans and stuff back then with the frog eyes i got 20 inch on the frog eyes (laughs) (laughs) that was like you know fast and furious era yeah but it stopped and then the opportunity came back around last year where Flex was like, yo, I want to do a car show again. I, To him, like, yo, I did my biggest one with Javier. So he hit Javier up and was like, yo, are you interested in doing this with me? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. But of course, it's got to have the concert element to it because that's what you were known for. So he's like, all right, I'll leave the car thing up to you guys. I'll leave the, the event production up to you guys because that's what you do. Just leave the stage to me. I'll take care of the stage. So as we're planning, man, this was... This was one of the hardest events that I I personally had to plan because it was working with a team that was very unfamiliar with car shows and the process of how setting up a car event works because the team that we were working with were club promoters. Mm -hmm. So it's and it's funny because I also used to be a club promoter in college. I used to throw like the biggest um, because I'm Filipino. I used to throw the biggest like uh college filipino parties and that's actually like how where my promoting experience started because i was promoting club events and that's where javier even thought of me when he brought me into ogs he's like yo 
I saw what you did in the clubs. Like, I know you have it in you. Like, yeah. I think you could do the same thing with car events. You've obviously been to all the events. You know how to promote. That's that's honestly the reason why, like, he invited me to be part of the team. Yeah. So knowing that, knowing how a club promoter's mindset works and how a car uh, event producer mind works, like, it doesn't go the same. So it was hard, hard um, uh, event to put together. But we did it, and it was so dope because, you know, we had DJ Khaled, uh, DMX. We had so many headliners on stage and it being you know it was myself javier joe jackson and funk flex it was Mm -hmm. the four of us who put that event together like literally just from going to festivals as a person in the crowd and looking behind the stage and seeing what goes on back there like i've always as a going through the years of going to festivals and concerts like dude that would be dope to be part of a production like this yeah and being part of that production with all these celebrities just walking around you and stuff like oh shit full circle this shit ha- <laughs> this shit happened and that was like what that was I, I gotta be extremely thankful for javier like yo i'm literally i'm escorting fucking dj Khaled from his car with his security walking next to him french montana like yo guys follow me yeah. and like i'm literally walking like can't believe these dudes are fucking listening to me right like yo sign this I, autograph right here make sure you follow me post me up right here for real like i'm holding my phone with dj Khaled. like yo we're walking this way come with me and like security's tapping me on my shoulder like yo where are we going now and i'm like is this happening like these dudes are literally lot like people i literally celebrities like dj Khaled, a-list celebrity talking to me like yo brad where are we going now I'm like great <laughs> This is crazy. Hell like, yeah. Yo, we're just standing in the back in the backstage waiting for like I'm 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 on the radio like yo let me know when you guys are ready and like yo Brian, we ready to go on? I'm like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> hey, didn't uh, didn't something happen with like Casanova that day? Oh yeah, like, so I I was working with the Bronx PD and they literally told me and Joe like me and Joe were the ones responsible for working with the Bronx Police Department and like whoever and the mayor of the Bronx and everybody, like, everybody. So it was literally me, the chief of police, the mayor of Bronx, and Joe Jackson all talking to each other. And we're like, yo, these are the things that can't happen at the event. And Casanova was one of them. Oof. I don't know. It wasn't Casanova. It was, uh, Casanova performed. I, I don't know why I thought it was Casanova. It was Pop Smoke. No way. They wouldn't let Pop Smoke in. Really? Pop Smoke was talking shit about Bronx PD before the gotcha. event happened. Okay, got you. That's what he it was. He showed up. He showed up to the event, and like all the red, like all the red alarms went off, and like yo, Pop Smoke's at the gate. The Bronx PD is gonna shut the event down. Like, oh no. <laughs> oh. So I remember running. I was running with Joe Jackson. Like I found them backstage. I was like, yo, we gotta go. Like the chief of police is said they're gonna shut the shit down so i remember we're running to the front like yo joe was like yo i got this and he's over there talking to pop's team and he's like yo you guys can't come in like you're gonna ruin this so i remember they left yeah rest in peace pop smoke man um you know good that would have been wild if we had him though yeah i would have been like yo i i i got to produce an event with good news hopefully um they found the the five people uh, in really? connection with his murder today. I, no way. Mm-hmm. It was just today. 
gang affiliated or what i i didn't really read the story i just saw the headline to dive a little more into it but it was uh dude i just it's so weird just even talk about pop smoke i just saw a video from uh pmb rock i believe it was and he was on a live and he said before that that pop smoke was shooting at some dudes so it was like a retaliation thing so I don't know, man. There's going to be a lot that's going to be uncovered, dude. But, like, rest in peace to him, man. One of the yeah. biggest things about that that really bummed me out is it was like a week ago, a video came out of Pop Smoke from his graduation. And it said that this was like two years before, dude. And just like, it's so sad. It really puts things into perspective that that was literally a kid. Yeah, he was literally a kid. That, that was sad. Probably even when Wait. you saw him, he was even younger, you know? And I didn't even get to see him because, you know, Joe was literally like, yo, bro, wait here. This this might get bad. And I'm like, all right, chill. Outside. <laughs> He's like, yo, it might, it might, it might, you know, that, what the crazy part is too, right? Bronx police was like, yo, no guns inside. Yeah. And I remember the meeting with Flex and Flex is like, yo, they always bring guns. Like, like that's how, that's how they roll. Like their security, they're always strapped. Gotcha. And PD was like, they're not bringing guns inside here. Gotcha. They had a gun check-in. <laughs> oh, shit. So, so we had two separate entrances. One entrance was just for celebrities. And it was it, they had the metal detectors, and it was security deep, you know, like police and everything. So, like, I remember A Boogie rolled in with, like, a fleet of Lamborghinis. So, like, as they rolled in, I remember, like, so they, the, their security would have to take their guns out, give them to the police. The police would check them in, mm. and they would give the guns back to them when they would leave gotcha but i just thought that was mind-blowing because i was like yo you're not supposed to carry a gun in new york yeah like, if you're not, <laughs> like so illegal to carry guns in new york but yet flex is telling him like yo we know they're not supposed to carry guns but they're gonna be carrying guns i can't have these guys going to jail like you gotta work with me yeah so pd was like all right listen it's okay gotcha. <laughs> but they just can't bring them in gotcha. so it's wild yeah, it was wild. How was it working with Flex? Yo, he's a real deal car guy. Really? He's the he's the real deal holy he's he's a car guy at heart. He's an American muscle dude. He's he's an American muscle guy. He don't like nothing but got American you, got muscle. You, got you. And it's got classics like he's he's more of a resto guy, right? He he I wanna say just recently started getting into the new cars i saw he like he picked up either a hellcat or a demon gotcha but he had he brought out a fleet of, and only a couple of his collection he brought out like 15 muscle cars like all like old camaro chevelles yeah. like restored and he's got a whole garage of them that's why when he was telling hob he's like yo how many cars could i bring because we were limited on space like yo, you can only bring like this many, and he's like, dang, yo, I want to bring like whatever twenty, thirty, because yeah. that's how many he has. And we're like, no, yo, like we got to leave space for the competitors or yeah. like for the people. He's like, all right, I'll let them show off, but he's like, when we get a bigger space, I got a whole lot more cars to bring. But yo, he's a he's the real deal car guy. Like that's the reason why he wanted to do the event because for him, you know, like I'm saying, like I like cars, clothes, kicks, music. For him, he likes music and cars, yeah, and muscle cars. So Flex Fest is like, that's his deal. Like he, it's it's a combination of both for him. I love it, dude. I remember he, seeing his uh, Chevelle. I think he had a, a it was like a red Chevelle at SEMA. Oh, the new joint, the the, the one that. 2019, yeah. That that one was hard. Yeah, she was dripping, dude. Now I remember, um, I think it was. 
DJ Envy and 50 Cent also had a show out there? Yeah, they had one a couple weeks after us. Um, but it's it's a lot different. DJ Envy's it's a it's a smaller car show. Um, I went to it. Got you. It, it's it's in a convention center, which isn't that big. So Envy packed it. Ours was a full concert production. Like mm. it was, we had stage and sound at any festival concert yeah, yeah, that you yeah. would, right full production led screens full lighting like if you went to a travis scott concert we had the same production of stage that they have you know at envies he had you know carnival stage with house speakers and i thought kind of kind of a bummer there and he didn't have the the headlining um the a b c list celebrities that we had performing i mean Khaled, casanova a boogie uh it was like a summer jam it literally was. It was like it was kind of the same lineup that Summer Jam would have. And the way it happens is, you know, Flex is just so respected in New York. Like if you were in New York that day, like you came through mm-hmm. and we had a lot of surprise guests like um, designer mm-hmm. uh, DMX wasn't even supposed to be there. But it was just people who were, yeah, I'm in the city. I'm coming through. Got you, got you, got and you. then when when they're there, like Flex, he just got that. You know, people got to get paid to perform. Yeah. But Flex just got that much influence. Like, yo, if designer's here, like, he wants to do it on the strength. Yeah. Like, yo, he's the one like, yo, can I get on stage? Like, yeah, you can get on stage. We didn't have you booked, but go ahead. Because it's yeah. just it's just a vibe. They're like, yo, this is dope. I got to I got to hit the stage. So I remember when I remember getting the call like, um, we have a we have a guy here named designer. <laughs> from the gate i was like yeah let him in <laughs> like, right, he's coming in I was, they're like who's coming to get him i was like i'll come and get him so i remember i i still got the facetime i was like yo he's like where are we going like this dude's like seven foot tall <laughs> and yo he's exactly how he is like he, how designer is in how you see him like get 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 like yeah that, yeah like, that's how he, like that's how he talks in, he, he talks in ad-libs <laughs> It's kind of weird. But no, that's he play he plays his part. Dope, man. When I saw you guys have that event, I, I really, really wanted to be out there. There was some kind of conflict. We were I on vacation. You, you know, if, yeah. If there was a trip that you could have came to and had, you know, like backstage access to, yeah. like you would have got and you didn't come. It was a shame. I would have loved was, it, bro. There was there was a conflict and I was like, shit, we were gonna go on vacation or be out of town or something like that. But hopefully, uh hopefully you guys do another one, man, but I just don't even know if any of that shit's going to go down. Yeah, we were supposed to do it this year, but yeah, we already, we started, we started the planning back in January and then obviously when this all hit, yeah, we just made the call like, yeah, let's not put any effort anymore. So, uh, let's get into your time with, uh, with OGS and H day. Um, how long have you been with the team? Hmm. I want to say seven, eight years now. Got you, got you. Back when I started, it was still Honda Day. Yeah. And then, yeah, renamed it H Day. I made the new logo for H Day. Um, yeah, so that was that was back in I want to say 2011. I was at Ibach Meet uh-huh. in California with Eat Sleep Race. And then, um, obviously, I've always been friendly with Javier because I've been going to his events as a 
spectator than vendor. We've always been friendly. And then he came up to me at Ibok me at the booth and he's like, yo, like you still working in the city? Cause back then I was working at it. I've always worked. I've always had eat, sleep, race. And I was always working a full-time job somewhere. Gotcha. So even though I've had eat, sleep, race for all these years, like I've always worked a full-time job and eat, sleep, race was always my, my side thing. It's, it was always something that I did after hours. It was like the the thing that I look forward to after work. Like, all right, after work, I get to go work on my brand. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And at that time, I was working in the city. I was in. I've worked in the city for five years. Out um, after I finished, uh, after I graduated from Rutgers, and he was like, "Yo, like, would you quit your job and come work with me and um, host the events and produce the events?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Like, uh, wait, there's an opportunity to get out of that cubicle? Like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I want to say 2012 was that year. And then, um, yeah, it was it hit the ground running. Um, I was, I want to say the first person, or he, he he hired somebody, but she didn't last for too long. But I I was basically the first person Javier um, hired back then to start running, to help run the event. So it's been a huge huge learning experience since since then and yeah so we do each day street wars uh ratchet fridays back then we used to do an event called fast fest live which was a spin-off of SummerSlam, fall national mm. spring nationals we used to do mitsubishi versus evo we used to do america fridays and i say used to because we used to do all these events at raceway park um that was our local track i mean that track is only 20 minutes from my house but unfortunately they got rid of the drag strip so that definitely changed uh how ogs does business because now we host our events all across the east coast now we do events in florida maryland new hampshire pennsylvania like we've got events all over now so we used to only do events at raceway park um i think the most events that we did in one year at raceway park was close to 30 it was pretty crazy yeah pretty wild yeah it was Definitely had um, our hands full, plate full, yeah, and blessed because it was only 20 minutes from the house. So I was working at the OGS uh, warehouse, which isn't far from here either, and then going to the track was pretty dope. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems like a lot of work, bro. All these weekends that, uh, that I had out there, and I just see you and Javier and the other guys just going man it, it seems like it's uh it's it's a lot of tasks so so tell me what it's like like the uh few days before an h day say like the big summer h day well what what is all that like for you dude how do you manage all that it's been a different experience you know like every event now because since we've left the raceway park working with new tracks and doing I'm literally responsible for everything from hiring over, you know, 80 people, managing over 80 staff, doing the event production from layout to everything that you can imagine on the back end of planning the event, I'm pretty much responsible for. So it's, it's, it's stressful. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a lot of anxiety days leading up to the event, especially when going to a new track for the first time it's uh hair pulling you know guessing and assuming what's going to happen at new tracks even when we were at old tracks at raceway park um there was always something changing and 
layout changing or we noticed this was wrong last time let's fix it and hope it works this time so yeah it, it's 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 tough but we, um through the years we've learned to change it and have managers for different departments so now it's a lot easier because back when i started i was literally talking to you know 80 to over 100 different people and i'm just talking staff and not including vendors sponsors and all that and track staff and when you put all those together it's like over two three hundred people that i've personally with but now it's uh i've simplified it and we have managers for different departments so we have our tech department we have our car show department we have our parking department we have our merch department um front gate security so i'll say like maybe instead of dealing with dozens and dozens of people now i'm dealing with less than a dozen managers and now those managers i could directly communicate with and they pass the word down to their team so it's been a learning process um definitely evolving and make yeah it's 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 what you would think it would be to produce a large (laughs) yeah definitely man so uh h day we got a couple events coming up the the next one is what uh august 15th and 16th in new hampshire yeah, so this year has been crazy, you know, because of COVID, we lost. So it's pretty crazy, right? From going to 30 events in one year to free... this year, we had two <laughs> so far. Yeah. And, you know, usually the our busiest is from April or March to May. Mm-hmm. Like, we're nonstop when March hits. And this year, we had one event in Florida and one event in Maryland, and that was it. And then COVID hit, and everything stopped. So it was... It world went upside down for us because we we're usually for my past eight years from March I'm just nonstop every weekend cranking a new yeah. event, planning a new event. Even with ESR, ESR is doing pop up shops at all different events. So managing that, managing the road show for um, Eat Sleep Race, and then doing all the events for OGS, it's just nonstop. And that's how I liked it. I liked yeah. I, I liked being busy to everything coming to a complete stop to nothing like there's nothing not even leaving for there's a lot to be scared for right yeah so a lot of anxiety hit when march happened and um yeah so now fortunately we're getting back in the groove of things we have some events planned um the first thing we got coming up july 24th at cecil county dragway i got ratchet fridays that's going to be the first ratchet fridays in maryland and again brand new venue first Mm. time we're ever going there so it's gonna be a lot of anxiety leading up to that we don't know how that's gonna work out with rolling logistics of learning how that track lays out um then we have h day uh august 15 and 16 new hampshire new england dragway then september 19 and 20 again at cecil county dragway in maryland so that's gonna be the first time h day is going there and again a lot of anxiety thinking of how to plan that one out. Yeah. Do lay out a lot more people than Ratchet Fridays would have. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good things to look forward to. Definitely, man. Um, and I think with uh, things loosening up with COVID, I think we're going to get those events on. I love it, man. Hopefully everything does work out because I'm looking forward to uh, hitting some events up for sure. Yeah, sure. Now, um, 
big shout out to Javier and OGS. Um, I, I, I like to think of him as one of my mentors, dude. Ever since I've known him, he's always given me great advice and, um, you know, another perspective, a way to look at things and understood that uh, probably what he's seen in you, that you have more potential, but you just you just need to, to see a little guidance or, or, you know, just to have somebody speak to you in that way you know and right. I, i've always appreciated uh his insight so big shout out to javier the whole ogs uh team and dude i i wish you guys the best on these upcoming events appreciate and, it and you know that uh we always have your back whether we can be at the event or not um we're, we'll definitely make our presence felt for sure appreciate so you you touched on a couple things man um which was the uh anxiety and that's something that we've we've had talks about off air and personal conversations and you've actually um really changed my life um with one of the uh, pieces of advice that you gave me uh which was to uh try out the cbd drops and that was probably maybe like March, April of 2019, and ever since then, I've been on it every single day, and it's really helped me um, dial in um, the to understand why I'm feeling how I am and what I can do, and you know when I need to take the CBD. So, so let me know what when did you understand that you had an issue with uh, anxiety, and how were you able to? determine what it really was life you know i i just told you like i'm involved with a lot of things when business wise so it catches up there's a there's a lot that needs to go right so when a lot needs to go right and a lot of things are depending on decisions that i have to make anxiety comes along with it. it's part of the business right it's it's part of owning a business and it's part of doing a good job, right? Yeah. So anxiety, I also believe, comes with wanting to do a good job. If you have that pressure to perform and do a, do the best that you can do, it's natural that you're going to get stress and anxiety for wanting to do your best. And that's that's the way that I feel when, when in, in life, I just, I just want to do the best that I could do. So that's... As things grew, as business as business was growing, as OGS was growing, more opportunities were coming up. I was just putting more onto my plate, and it was welcomed opportunity. But along with opportunity comes challenges. Hmm. So naturally, anxiety came with that, and it. I realized it was anxiety because I would feel it physically. You know, I would feel it in my chest. I would feel it in my head, and I discovered CBD. Um, after just researching like ways to alleviate anxiety and, you know, CBD is only one of the things that helped me deal with stress on meditation, mm -hmm. um, you know, meditation, prayer, you know, I'm, 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 I won't get too deep into it, but I'm a big believer of faith. I, I do know I'm blessed and a lot of everything that happens in life, I'm, I'm thankful and blessed for, and I know it's not. For my own doing, I know it's a greater good that that's blessed me with the opportunity for that. But beyond that, I do know that when with opportunity comes the stress and we need as people, especially now that I'm a father, there's a lot more 
um, a lot more people relying on me, so it stresses me out even more. Yeah. So I got to put you on game on some other things that I've been trying out. I've, I've, been, I've been doing teas, like stress-relieving teas, mm-hmm. and I, I do those at nighttime. Um, those help me sleep a lot more relaxed. And actually something I bought over-the-counter at Target, there, I forgot the brand. It's in this blue container. It's just It just says stress on it. Uh-huh. And I got it. Remind me later. I'll send you a picture of it. Okay. Yeah, those, those things work really well. Like, I want to say might even might even hit faster than CBD. Like, really? literally when I get them, like, that, the, the feeling. So, when I get anxiety, like, I feel like there's a weight on me. I feel like there's, there's weight pushing me down. And I feel sluggish. Yeah. And I feel my heart, like, beating a lot faster. When I take these gummies, like, it... Really? With CBD... With CBD, it takes a little bit longer for it to go away. Okay. And who knows if it's placebo effect or not? But Either I way. Do know whether whether it is or not, as long as it works, right? Who cares? Definitely. As long as it's not fucking me up, like as long as it's not something addictive, it's and it's legal. That's the biggest thing that matters for me. As long as it's legal. Um, unfortunately, out here, recreational marijuana is not legal. Still. So, no, it's not like it's not like in Cali where you could just go buy it. Oh my god was here I'd, I'd try it more yeah like like cbd works because it takes the um i used to know the uh the medical terms a lot more than i than i could remember it now but the calming effects of marijuana mm-hmm. is what is in cbd without the right? psychoactive without the psychedelic right the, so the psychedelic side of it which i believe is the thc yes right so cbd so if I'm not mistaken, marijuana is a combination of THC and CBD. Mm-hmm. So it only takes the cannabinoid, which is the relaxing um, element of marijuana. And yeah, I, I before I started taking it because I didn't know what it was, I did a lot more research and I, I was very educated on it to enough that like, all right, I'll try it out and shit, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that 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 definitely um, that definitely helped, and it's one of the one of the things that I use daily that helps me, you know, function. Yeah. Likewise, man. Um, when you told me about it, it was that same day. I left that afternoon and went to one of our local smoke shops and picked up a bottle of CBD. And just like you said, man, whether it's placebo or not, it doesn't matter. If it works, it works. And, 100%. It, and it's it works. definitely worked uh, for me. And it's just help keep the irritability down, you know, that, that feeling of the weight that you say, I, I understand that so much, you know, and it's just because we put so much pressure on ourselves that it's just natural that that's going to happen. And, yeah. I mean, for anybody dealing with anxiety, I mean, there's a lot of things that you could try and you got to literally see what works for you. If CBD doesn't work on some people, exercising does, Yeah, you know, like, so there's so many good things that you could do for yourself. Like exercising daily whether it's weightlifting or cardio whatever whatever you could find and you could enjoy and you don't see it as a burden to do yeah. something that you could look forward to doing which is also healthy for your mind body and you know mind body and soul you know mm-hmm. it's the three things that need to work together for you to function it's i i'd I recommend everything you know you got to eat healthy you got to work out and there's all these different supplements that you could try as well and then you also when you got to stay healthy, you got to stay healthy, physical and mental, right? Yeah. So it's, there's not one quick solution to, hey, yo, I'm dealing with anxiety. How do I get rid of it? Like, yeah. it's not easy. 
I mean, another thing too that I've always recommended to you is to talk to somebody, talk to a professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People deal with things in life that their friends and their family don't have the answers to, and um, that's the reason why professionals exist. There's they they have jobs as um, professional therapists because they know how to fit, they know how to guide you to solve issues that you're dealing with, and it's a lot of people promote a lot of celebrities promote this because it, it's just the truth as as life goes on and things get more difficult the people around you are unable to help you solve the problems that you're going through yeah oh so seeking therapy and it, it's a taboo it's something that a lot of people do but they don't talk about yeah and it's not something to be ashamed of it's it's highly recommended because people build careers for helping people mm -hmm. right it's literally there shouldn't be a, um, a stigma around getting professional help because it it works. Yeah, <laughs> I told you. That. I've told you that. Like I've dealt with things in life that nobody around me could help me solve, and professional help works. Like yeah. they don't have the answers, but they know how to guide you to solve your problems. Got you. Is that something that you're regularly on now? Is see, no, seeing a therapist? Um, no, I actually, you know, I, I probably should go back and it, it's something that a lot of people around me I know do con um, regularly, yeah. you know, whether weekly or monthly and that's healthy. Um, that's something I, I, I have to admit I need to work back into my routine because whether you're dealing with something or not, it's just always good to vocalize. Th they, they talk to you in a manner in which you br you talk about things that you didn't even know were bothering you like mm. oh shoot maybe that's why i was getting anxiety because i didn't even know i was worried about that but now that i'm aware that i'm i'm worried about that i'm going to solve that so i'm not worried about it no more got you it's pretty it's it's cool shit man it's cool stuff and if you got insurance it's free you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, you know what i'm i'm definitely going to look into that that's something that i've been wanting to do but just procrastinating but i would love for it to be just like a weekly thing you know it's it's one of those you know an hour a month an hour a week it's something that i need to get back to to doing it's time well worth invested and that actually yeah it, it helped back when i was going through problems i didn't know how to solve on my own you know it definitely helped me and i highly highly recommend it it should there shouldn't be it should be as simple as like going to the dentist or something yeah. like how people go to the dentist or they're going to their doctor to get a checkup going to my therapist to get a mental checkup yeah that um when it was brought up to my attention like that it was way easier to accept it than the traditional way of having to see a therapist because it always had just such a bad stigma to it and I think that we're talking about it because for other people to to also realize it too because the reason why i went was because people around me told me that they went and honestly i would have never went if they no one ever said that they yeah. went because that stigma around it right but then when people i know who went who i respect and who i see it worked for like oh snap i knew you were going through some stuff and you're good now like yo it's because of that like yeah. all right bet like, i'm gonna go try it yeah it's kind of like you know like trying massage therapy right like yo my back hurts like i keep i'm trying to fix it on my own like yo go see a masseuse they yeah. gonna fix it for you kind of like that like yo I got, got some things in here I don't know how to fix. Well, bro, you ain't going to fix it on your own. There's a professional out there who could help you. Yeah. 
Dope, man. I, 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 uh, I appreciate you talking about that because I know a lot of people listening, um, they're probably going through a lot of things as well, especially in this, this time that we're well, in right now. Time, this time for sure. Cause I will, I will be one to admit living in New Jersey and going through this whole COVID thing, man, April, this was, I got caught up in the media, got caught up in reading the news every hour, refreshing and dude, man, 2020, what the fuck? Yeah. So yeah, like I, I don't doubt, you know, a lot of people right now, it would definitely help. It would, Even it having help. conversations with friends. Uh, I know you and I have had multiple conversations We'll just talk for an hour or so, you know, just about whatever issues that are going on in our, our own lives and just, you know, throw them at each other. And, you know, if we if at the at the end of the day, at the least that we could get is just to actually have somebody listen to that issue. That's a benefit. But a lot of the time you'll you'll uh, you'll get some benefit out of it for sure. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. So uh, let, let's talk about the, the next milestone that's happened in your life and uh, possibly one of the uh, the biggest, if not the biggest, um, your baby boy come in. Yeah, so he's here. He's a, he's a month old. And man, shh. ain't nobody. We, we, I've done lessons. I've, we've, I've read books. I've done like the courses. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of friends that were parents and nothing, I can't say anything prepared me for what, it is to be a dad. There's so much responsibility. And thankfully, I have a great wife who is a super mom. And I, I see her with my son. Uh, and I, I kind of, I, it's like disbelief. Like, you know, moms get like this superpower when they yeah. have their kids to take care of them. And like, and I'm tired. And I see her functioning like, Shh, how, how do you do it? Yeah. And, and the, what goes on in your head, like no one could prepare you like when when you actually see your son and you're with him, you're you're responsible for this person's life. Like it's it's trip. It's it's I couldn't even write a book on it and, and I'll be writing books now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll actually mention that because I'll say I got to mention this, like the evolution of Eat Sleep Race. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Eat Sleep Race. It's always been something that I. It exists and all the designs and all the collections and everything that we make exists because it relates to my life and what I'm interested in. And two years ago, we create. I created this book um, for for kids. It's a kids book. So it's a ABCs and, for future race car drivers. For right. Fast Kids Club for people that are just listening. Yeah. So it's it's made. It, we created a new brand called Fast Kids Club. And it's under the umbrella of Eat Sleep Race. And the reason why we created this new brand is my brother had kids well before I did. Um, I have two nephews. And because of them, you know, like, dang, I like kids. Yeah. I'm more kids clothes. So my, so my nephews could rock, could, could rock Eat Sleep Race. So I was making kids clothes that said Eat Sleep Race on it. And then just on the whim, I didn't know how to make books. Yeah. I had this, I, I saw other ABC books out there and I was like, yo, that would be ill if there was like an ABC book for car parts. S for spark plugs. T is for turbo. Right. Dope. P is for piston. So everybody listening right now, if you want to check the book out, uh, go to the YouTube video or check out, what's the Instagram for Fast Kids Club? At Fast Kids Club or fastkidsclub.com, eatsleeprace.com. You could see this book on there. And yeah, so I, I designed it. And then I was like, man, how do you make a book? 
So yeah. just like I told you with the Sleep Race, I, with everything, I just figured out how to do it on my own. I didn't go through a publisher. This book self-published. Do everything from did everything from scratch, from design to production to distribution. Wow! This is now number one best-selling motorsports book on Amazon. Whoa! And it's been, it's been like that for over a year. I, we won two awards at PRI for most innovative product in motorsports. Like this book has been the evolution of Eat Sleep Race, and I'll say without this book, we wouldn't be where we are currently because this book has taken us to that level, right? So with Eat Sleep Race, we were that small, we were the local New Jersey brand only known at New Jersey events because of Pacific Rim and because of the exposure that we got on Super Street and Import Tuner, thanks to Carter and uh, J- Jonathan, JDM Wong. Mm-hmm. Because of those two guys at SEMA that I randomly walked up to and I told them, I was like, yo, you guys got this magazine. Why don't you feature clothes in it? That And it, I'll, I'll cut that story short. It was at a Honda after party. Mm-hmm. Both of them were standing together and I knew of them because I saw them in the magazine. And back then, Social media wasn't a thing. Internet was just starting. I was like, yo, I saw pictures of these guys. I know they're the editors of the book. I got Eat, Sleep, Race. I walked up to them. I was like, yo, I know you guys are Import Tuner and Super Street. They're like, yeah, what's up? I was like, I got this brand called Eat, Sleep, Race. And I was like, I just got to mention one thing. It's not even about my brand. It's just about the culture, right? I think if you guys don't know about it, streetwear is huge right now for fashion. There's a lot of car guys that like fashion. It would be cool if you guys featured like brands like the hundreds and streetwear and supreme in the magazine just to showcase it mm-hmm. because other people could relate to it I'm like yo that's a cool idea gave them my business card they randomly hit me up like yo could you send us some merch cool saw it in an issue and like that our website went from like here to fucking here really overnight whoa and it was credited to those two guys because they feature it was Super Street first and Import Tuner next. So if our if our online sales were like this, when Super Street hit, it was like this. And then when Import Tuner hit, it was like this. And then it just stayed. It was because of those guys that we turned into, you know, we, we ended up getting nationwide, worldwide exposure yeah. because of a conversation that I had at SEMA. And it was, they did what I told them, what I recommended they should do. Yeah. Like, they just added fashion, like, two, three pages of, you know, whatever fashion was, like, they they included some t-shirts and whatnot and they added my t-shirts to it and people liked it when they saw it and back then magazines were the sh- were it yeah so people were reading the magazines they saw our brand and that's what gave us exposure so i remember i always thank carter and jonathan for you know giving us that opportunity and that exposure because that definitely took us to that level so i'll say the the re- turning points right it was all right we got to go we gave ourselves local exposure that gave us nationwide exposure and then this it was a decade later. Yeah. It put us on a different level, different scale, because like I said, this is the number one best selling book, motorsports book on Amazon. And with this, it's this is just the beginning of you're gonna see it soon. Like stay tuned for what's coming next with Fast Kids Club because we're gonna be announcing it pretty soon. So check out the social media, make sure you follow at Fast Kids Club. We've got some cool stuff in the works. So this is now you know, Fast Kids Club is a brand of its own dedicated to inspiring the youth to love motorsports. And it's so awesome now that I have a son of my own and showing him cars. And I mean, he's too young to even realize what he's what he's looking at. But like 
I get a kick out of it. And now I know the feeling that other fathers have trying to get their kids and inspiring their kids to love racing and cars and motorsports, like watching races. Like I'm watching F1, I'm watching NASCAR and with my son next to me, like, you don't know what you're looking at, but what you're listening to, like, dude, I hope you get addicted to this. Like I am. Yeah. And this is something that helps because literally like I just, I, I love reading this book to them because it's putting it, it's putting it's putting this into their thought process already, right? Yeah. So we've got some things come releasing this year that are going to be the evolution of this to continue inspiring this next generation to to love motorsports like we love it. I love it, man. You're inspiring it's me, all- B. Yeah. I love it's, it, it's, man. It's the truth. It's it's awesome. I mean, and I was doing I, I created this with my nephews in mind. Um and now having my son, it's just pushing me f- even more forward of like, you know, I, I got I got to make sure this next generation is like I kind of feel a I have a responsibility now with this brand to make sure the youth loves and continues the passion for motorsports like 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 we do. Now, your uh, your wife, she's an entrepreneur as well, right? Yeah, so she is. She has her doctorate in physical therapy, um, and she is now a certified, and she's a professional in permanent makeup. So she's okay. in the beauty industry now. So you could check out her Instagram at Brow Beauty Co. Um, she's now. It's actually crazy. She was ready to open up her new office right before COVID hit and then COVID hit, she couldn't open. So actually it's ironic we're speaking today because today is the first day she went back to the office since COVID happened and tomorrow she has her first appointment. So it's pretty dope that, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit has, you know, I've, it's now I I'm, I'm able to work with her on a new venture that she's working on and yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty dope. Now, was that something that was, um, you know, contagious from being around you or she had that already in her? Um, she, 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 she could tell you more than I could say, but when she, when I met her, she was in school for her doctorate and she wanted to open up her own practice back then for physical therapy. So I would say like, I'm not, I didn't, tell her like to open a business or whatnot yeah. like that was always a passion of hers it's after working in the healthcare industry and the physical therapy industry for quite a few years she just learned that it wasn't for her so she made an industry stri- switch and now she's in beauty and you know it's it's a it's still an awesome awesome opportunity because it's crazy oh you see her handwriting mm-hmm. it's out of like it's it's out of artwork like her handwriting has i saw her handwriting from when she was a kid when she was cleaning out her house and yeah. like yo this shit is crazy how neat and precise your handwriting was as at like first and second grade and she said like her teachers always told her like yo it's unbelievable how nice of handwriting you have so when she when she told me she's like i want to get into permanent makeup and permanent makeup is kind of like tattooing yeah like for me it was like yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like you're so precise and you have a skill like she's an artist. 
she she truly is an artist and what she does. I was like, that makes sense that you you should be doing permanent makeup. Like you're doing like she does a lot of eyebrows and a lot of stuff on people's face. Yeah. Face. You got to be precise with that stuff. Right. Yeah. It's perfect. No, it's, it's basically get imagine getting like the, the Gucci Mane tattoo on your face like yeah, it's permanent you know about that you get yeah. the Gucci Mane tattoo on the Integra yeah <laughs> yeah so you, you, when especially for girls like they're doing this for their eyebrows for for their lips like this you got to be precise and she's the perfect person for it like if there was something for her to come together and put her skills together like that it, it works for her Dude, I love it, man. You guys are a great family, bro, and I I wish you guys the best. And I look forward to your son growing up, man. He's uh, yeah. <laughs> one day one day him and Christian could be hanging out, you know, in the future at an event or something. Christian, uh, Christian, like how how old is Christian now? He's thirteen, so he'll probably be yeah. running the booth. <laughs> thirteen years apart. That's a big. That's a big gap. <laughs> yeah. When when you think about it like that, but there's a lot of people that like that that I associate with now. And if you look at the age differences, like wow, it's huge. Even my guy Alex that's working here right now, he's like, he's gonna be 21 this year, you oh, know. Wow, he's young. And I'm 35. Yeah, I'm 35 too. Sheesh. It's dope. It's uh, it's good to have younger people around because it it makes you feel young and and you stay tapped in to the the younger demographic i feel that that's um that's a big benefit too is to to never get too old and to get out of touch in in times and what's really going on yeah i feel that's the demise of of growing up a lot of people get stuck in the culture that they were raised in like i i saw it a lot in the hip-hop community right as there was transition in music so we'll just we'll just talk about music real quick yeah like with hip hop, there was the Jay Z Nas era, and the evolution of that switching into what's it? It's not even classic hip hop. It's uh, it's your boom bap hip hop. Yeah. So your boom bap into your mainstream hip hop, and I I would classify that as like you know your DJ Khaled's um, Drake. Mm-hmm. Th- that the next Meek Mill was that next generation. And now your little Uzi Vert's the baby, little yeah. baby. There's there's three different John, three different generations right there, and these OG guys like the Jay Z Nas guys hate these two other generations. Yeah, that also reflects in the way that they function in the world because they're kind of no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. You're old school. Yeah, and if you're running a brand, especially a lifestyle brand you're stuck in the past you're not evolving and that's why i i i'm glad i'm so open-minded and i enjoy different genres of music and whatnot because to be honest like music everything is influenced by music culture is influenced by music fashion is influenced by music um to know that because I enjoy, I I like the I like new music now. I like I like all the new hip hop, all the everything that's relevant today. It's yeah. kind of keeps us intact. Like I know you, I know you appreciate it as well, definitely. But oh, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people around me that can't stand like today's hip hop. Yeah, I've had a lot of conversation with those people as well, and uh, I come to the conclusion that they're just they're missing out, and they're just trying to hold on to something that really doesn't exist. 
anymore. That's that's like just watching movies from the the eighties and nineties and not watching anything else just because you know that's your that's your generation that you grew up in. I really feel like this music there they attach feelings and memories to that music so when they find something new they can't really attach anything to it because that's not the times that they were out hanging out with their friends or you know going out partying or anything like that they live in that era and even even guys you know our age or even younger they're just like oh tupac and biggie that's all they listen to i'm like bro they died before when they were like 24 25 they didn't even know much what was going on and and you're stopping yourself from from enjoying anything else from 95 up come on dude you can't tell me that everything is just trash that's out right now you know and, and it's very it's very frustrating but it's to a point where if you have a conversation about music but to me it's they're so just really missing out on things cuz music is that cultural you know, no matter what, if you're into motorsports or wh whatever you're interested in, music is that one thing that people could agree to disagree on, right? Like, yeah. yeah, it's a common ground and literally culture, everything comes back to music. Yeah. With, it's dope. Yeah, even culture too. Like we're talking about ComplexCon. The only reason ComplexCon is even around is because of hip hop music and culture. And if yeah. it wasn't around, then it would just be a magic trade show. That's that's all it would be, but even with Magic Trade Show, what the, who did they who did these brands rely on to identify themselves with yeah. and to help push their brands? Definitely, rappers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> who made these brands cool? Who made LRG cool? Who made you know Fubu cool? Yeah, I mean Damon John will admit Fubu became a thing in the '90s because of LL Cool J and the rappers that he was friends with locally, like. All these brands accredit themselves to music in some manner. And like I'll say myself, like my brand is heavily influenced by the music that I listen to. Yeah. It's the culture around it. It's I mean, some some of the things I can't agree on. Like I I I, I don't like some music that's out now and I, I don't like some fashion that's out now, but I'm aware of it. I yeah. respect. So it's it's another thing from being aware of it and another thing from just no, I'm only into the '90s. Yeah, <laughs> bless you. So, uh, what? I don't need a mask. What do you? <laughs> speaking of masks, let's go, let's go to that, dude. Speaking of masks, I saw. Uh, I want to talk about some of the new stuff that you're coming out with for Eat Sleep Race. Um, I know you guys had uh, your the mask came out, and it wasn't just a regular mask. I remember when you came out with the mask, it was um, the way that I would have designed it. You know, with a filter in mind and with safety in mind uh, and fashion coming after that, but still in entangled in it. So um, how's that going for you? Yeah. So that, that, that's, that's a cool thing that happened out of COVID of, you know, um, are we lost these events? Dang. There's a health issue going on right now. I don't know how to make masks, but wearing masks, from I educated myself, you know, it, it is, it's healthy. It's, it's, it, it's a, um, it's a sign of respect at this point mm -hmm. for your life and others lives, whether there's a lot of mass caters right now, but the truth is some places, especially in New Jersey, it's just law. You got to wear a mask now. Like yeah. you can't go in certain stores without a mask. And there's a handful, there's people that don't agree with it, but truth is 
well, if you want to walk into some of these places, you got to wear a mask. So yeah. I'm saying the mask that we made, it's not, you know, it's no N99, N95 mask. It's not a surgical mask. I wouldn't recommend this mask to be worn if you're going to the hospital with COVID patients. But I will say that it is better than not wearing a mask. And I will be one to admit when all this started happening, like I, I've always worn a mask. Like as soon as this started to hit, like even before ESR started wearing, uh, having or making masks, I was wearing surgical masks, mm -hmm. just because you know, like if I cough, I didn't want to get it anywhere. If I sneezed, I didn't want to get anywhere. Like I just sneezed right now. I would hate for that to happen in public without me wearing a mask. Yeah. Like feel kind of ashamed. And yeah. That's just me. Like oh shit, people are judging me now. <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm healthy. But if I had a mask, nobody would even care different, right? So yeah, it's cool. So Eat Sleep Race, um, we learned how to create masks and now we have several styles. Uh you can see them all on eatsleeprace.com. And yo, know, I know you got your um your, your cult thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could we do a thing where uh we do a giveaway? Hell so we yeah. got we have one mask, right? We got gators, we got face masks. Could we do a giveaway where Somebody could win all the masks that we make. Dude, let's do it, man. Guys, if you want to join the, the cult, make sure you text right now. 818-403-3473. 818-403-3473. Just add us here. Got to be part of the cult. Yeah, you have to be part of the cult. So this yeah, is probably the only time you're even going to hear about this giveaway if you're not in the cult. So make sure you add yourself to the cult. I appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, so we'll do that. We'll do a giveaway. Thank like you. If you're part of the cult, you'll have an opportunity to win one of every mask that we make and i'll leave it to you how to run that contest yeah definitely yeah, that'd, be, that'd be tight now one other cool yeah. thing that i saw you working on um and we were talking about it behind the scenes was your uh the the 3d uh what do you call them the door the door openers oh, 3d printer yo it's crazy so the 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 door thing is just it's just a funny thing that or it's a cool thing that my my nephew made when all this was happening, my my cousin, my cousin-in-law hit me up and he's like, yo, you know, your nephew has been crazy with 3D printers. Like we got a bunch of 3D printers at the crib and they're showing me. I was like, yo, that's wild. Like, what does he make? He's like, he just makes like random stuff. Like he designs random stuff. And this kid's like 13 years old. Right. So I'm mind blown. Like, yo, I didn't even know Reed was like talented like that. Yeah. Like, like and he's like, yo, check this out. He made this for you. I was like, what is it? He's like, yo, you seen like the ads on Facebook for like those door openers, touches door openers. I was like, yo, that's tight. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna send it to you. I was like, yo, like, send it. Like, I'll order them. Like, mm -hmm. this kid like sells stuff on eBay that he makes on his printers, right? I was like, yeah, yo, I'll order these from him so that I could give them away to people. Like, we're not even gonna sell them. I just want to give them away. And he's like, oh, how about we just send you the file and you buy your own 3D printer? I was like, nah, chill. I don't want to buy a 3D printer. <laughs> And then he told me how much it was. I didn't even know. You could get a 3D printer for like 300 bucks now. Yeah. Sick. Like, what? So he's like, yo, you could you could make these at your house with this printer. And he's like, it's a really good printer for $300. I was like, oh, that's tight. So yeah, I bought the printer. I literally don't know how to use it on my own yet because there's <laughs> a lot of software. But he's like, yo, it's as simple as you buy the printer, follow the instructions, set it up. And then I'm going to send you an SD card. Put the SD card in it, and then it's going to detect the file. All you got to do is press print. I was like, and it was literally that simple. No way. He sent me the SD card. I put it in the slot. Something popped up, and I just pressed print, and the thing's making stuff. Things been That machine's been running nonstop in my garage since last Thursday. 
Like we've made hundreds of these like keyless door opener things, but we yeah we don't sell them. We just we've been giving them away with orders. Sick, dude. I'm gonna pick up one of those uh, 3D machines for sure. No, it's tight, and especially for kids now, like for them to express their creativity. Like yo, I couldn't imagine to have one of these when I was a young when I was in a grade school, high school. Like I would have made some ill stuff like with Hell all the time. Yeah. Like now, like he's showing me stuff that you can make. I'm like yo, I don't even have t- like. With everything going on, like I don't have time to mess around on the printer yet. I was like, and especially like this printer's working around the clock making these giveaway things because we promised people we'd give them away. Like I got to keep making them. Yeah. He's like, yo, you should get a second printer. I was like, yo, now you get that, that. Now we're talking a little too far still. I don't even <laughs> got time to design stuff on my own yet. So but I don't doubt that I could figure out how to design this stuff. It's just, I'm, it's time consuming. Yeah. I love it, man. You, you're very creative, dude. And I love to see everything that you come out with. And when I saw you making those, I was like, oh, shit, that's awesome, dude. Don't get me wrong. I didn't I didn't make that. A 13-year-old made that, which is even cooler. Like, yo, he designed that on his own. Very cool, man. And my buddy who does know about 3D printing, he got one. Um, and he was like, yo, he did a really good job. Like, I guess, like, he put all these X's in it, which made it a lot stronger, which, like, you can't break it. Gotcha. And he's like, like. This wasn't a simple design. Like he actually put some effort into this. I was like, yeah, yo, that's tough. Like, so I hit him up. I was like, yo, you're you're creative, bro. Nice. So, <laughs> so who knows? You know, kids are like I said. Like when I was a kid, I tried everything from like karate, taekwondo, and all this baseball, soccer, you name it. And I just found what I was good at, which was ended up being designing. Like it's pretty dope as a kid. Like if you have access to a 3D printer, you never knew you could design stuff. They might. You know, these kids might end up being engineers. Yeah, definitely. You know, building car parts or whatever it is, like rocket ship parts, all because of a $200, $300 3D printer. That's pretty tight. Yeah, possibilities are endless, man. So um, from a lot of these stories that you've talked about and a lot of your accomplishments, I, I see one, um, one relating factor is that you always, you have a good way of seeing opportunity and capitalizing on it whether it's um you know just being at SEMA and seeing Jonathan Wong and the uh the the other gentleman and just going up and presenting that idea um how do you recognize opportunity and how do you get the courage to uh to capitalize on that opportunity that's something you realize as an entrepreneur opportunity is what pushes you forward so if you miss it, you're going to regret it. So, right, if you, if you, in business, if, when you realize there's an opportunity and you don't do it, you're always going to look back and what if. Yeah. I hate what ifs. So, which is the reason why I try, even as a kid, I tried a lot of different things because I hate, I personally hate the what if feeling. Yeah. Like. Oh, what if I tried baseball? What if yeah. I tried karate? What if I tried DJing? What if, like, I love DJing. What if I'd never tried it and I was actually really good at it? Mm-hmm. And I could have been on stage. But because I tried it, I know I'm not <laughs> good at it. Right? Yeah. So I, I go as a, as a enthusiast and as a fan because I respect what you do because I know I can't do it. Yeah. So it's the, it's those things. It's these networking opportunities if i see somebody like that's what gives me the courage because i i i know i'm gonna regret that what if feeling like yo what if i said what's up to that guy yeah 
and it turned into something because don't get me or realize when I say this, a lot of the opportunity that has come to fruition for me in my personal life has been through networking. Mm -hmm. It's been through friends. It's been through meeting people who turned into friends that turned into bigger opportunity that turned into, hey, I could help you with this or, hey, do you know about this or, hey, I can do this for you. Like, it's because of that that I'm I'm I've been able to you know grow in in what I've been working on. Yeah. So that that's what drives me. So having that underlying um, determination to succeed and the having the platform to utilize to put networking into effect. Because I feel like that's that's been a lot of what I was trying to achieve when I was younger. It's kind of like, man, I got all these ideas, but I don't have anything to apply them to. So it's once I was able to build the brand and then whatever I wanted to do creative-wise, I had a platform to do it on. Got you. Now, uh, that brings me to my next uh, my next question is uh, your YouTube channel. Now you had the uh, the eating show on it. What is the first we eat? Man, I have so much respect for YouTubers and content creators and influencers. It's hard, yo. <laughs> yeah. Especially for you, even in podcasts and this right now, this is you know, respect. This is hard work. Yeah. This is hard, earned hard work. I did personal uh, vlogging for a solid year. Wow. One what like i tried uh, i was doing my personal youtube channel and i did it for two reasons i did it as a diary because getting all these cool opportunities to go places and that i normally wouldn't have been able to have the opportunity to if i didn't have the business i wanted to document it mm -hmm. and it's pretty dope like i look back on it from videos three four years ago i'm like yo that's tight that i recorded this because like i i would have forgot about it yeah with something going on it, it takes a lot of time to record while you're doing it, and it takes double, triple the time to edit it. Yeah. And it finally got to the point in which I kept recording, kept recording, and I didn't have time to edit, and I stopped vlogging because I couldn't keep up. And then that's where the the respect grew even more for vloggers. Like, you know, you guys, this takes a lot of hard work to be able to keep up. Yeah. It like with your podcast, it's... There's a lot that goes on after we record this. And what we're two hours in already. This is two hours out of your day. How much more time do you have to spend on this to, you know, get it posted and then post edit and then promote it? It's it takes a while, dude. Um, yeah. You know, actually, to, not even to uh, to lie, like I took last week off. I took Monday and Thursday off last week just out of the blue no nothing was happening there was no reason why i couldn't do it it was just bro i'm burnt the fuck out it was the friday before <laughs> before the monday that i had to release an episode and i was like i'm not i don't want to do it and ash was like you know we could do an episode together and we'll put out an episode you know i was like you know i appreciate that but like i just don't feel it right now because you're you're throwing it out there, throwing it out there. This is episode 184, dude, and we started in September 2018. And Crazy. most videos get like 400, 500 views, and it's just it's it's hard to think about the numbers right now because 
if I were to think about the numbers, that it, it's it's going to discourage me so much. So I have to look at this as a legacy thing. You know, I was talking to um, to somebody that's going to be on the podcast in the future. We were just setting it up, and we had a small conversation. I was telling about the podcast. So I said, you know what? All these people in the automotive community, um, you know, they're known by everybody. You're known, uh, you know, so many other brands like Papadakis or something, Ed Bergenholtz, they're, they're all known people, but we don't have history like a Michael Jordan does. We don't have history like, you know, Babe Ruth or whoever, but why don't we? You know, some of the people in our community, some of the people that have built the foundation of the community are as important or more important to people in, in, our, in the automotive space as like a Babe Ruth would or, or a Kobe or anything like that would be. But there's nowhere that we have this documented. We left it, we left the responsibility to print, to import yeah. tuner, super yeah. street, Honda tuning. But what what can they really do at that time? They can give you a few pages, few paragraphs to get to know somebody. But we're like you said, we're two hours deep and I feel like we're barely scratching the surface. So I felt so many people in our community needed to have their stories told and if i can be that outlet to make it happen then that's that's what i'm looking for and if this blows in the future i mean that that would definitely be nice but it's well it's... you got the personality to do it as well right thank you i don't know how many people i could name that i could say could talk to 184 people on a podcast it's you need a you you have you kind of have like that talk show personality. Yeah. And you have an enthusiasm for it, right? Like imagine the Conan O'Brien and the Jimmy Kimmel. Like they have their jobs because they're good at it, right? You're yeah. you're kind of, you've kind of taken on that role whether you've realized it or not. You're you've turned into the personality of a, of a talk show host whether it's on radio or TV. Like not a lot of people could do that. Yeah. And it's fucking hard, man. For it, sure. It's definitely hard, but uh, I feel I like it's going to get appreciated. And it's also the effort that you put in prior to the show, scheduling, networking, getting more people. Yo, 184 people is a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of people. How many of that 184 would you say you did on your own? Like you, you knew them already versus like you had to get networked to them. Oh, there's there's a great amount of people where I met them right when they either came to the shop or we right. uh, we we set up Skype, you know. And so would it, you say like half of one eighty four like were were like new people. Uh, I'd probably say a quarter, just because um, I've been I've been very uh, conscious about networking in the last past ten years since I've been in business. So um, you know, I I network when I'm not even trying to network. Right. Yeah. And that's that conversation that we had about the importance of networking, right? Definitely. Look at that. You were meeting all these people in the past decade without even knowing like, oh, wait, I'm going to end up asking you to do an interview yeah. to not only help with my show, but to increase your exposure and leverage, you know, something that we both can do to each other. It's exactly that. It's something that you have to consciously always be aware of. Yeah. And it also goes along with that saying of, don't burn bridges because you know you never know when that relationship might need to come to fruition down the road yeah it's definitely and that's relationships are inevitable to be burnt <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, i i i've been down that road so many times and you know i i try to 
print. We'll keep it positive. Yeah, I try to focus on, on strengthening my bridge and not worrying about having to use any other bridges to cross, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, it's just a growing, it's just a growing period, dude. Like, we're yeah. all growing in the spotlight where every, in the public eye. So it's like, if, if you want to be one of those people who's out there, who's, you know, on social media, who's at events, who is kind of like a, a personality, you have to understand that you're going to be in the public eye of so many people. So as you're growing, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot harder to hide those kind of, uh, those growth spurts that you're going to have. And, uh, I've looked to embrace that, you know, because, um, if you've known me for a long time, you've been able to see the growth that I've been going down. And at the end of the day, the most I could say is that I'm, I'm trying to be the best version of myself and I'm trying to figure it out just like everybody else is. That, that goes along with running a, and growing a business, right? That's where they say like passion comes first because with passion is longevity because yeah. business gets hard. Yeah, Shit has fanned more often when owning a business versus just working right yeah shit hits the fan a lot gets very challenging and if you don't have passion it's easy to just quit yeah definitely man you gotta you learn clear. to embrace the shit yeah don't be man i'm so glad that we got to sit down and talk about everything dude uh, i always love having conversations with you whether it's just here on the podcast or you know just on a phone call every once in a while your your energy is dope bro your creativity is dope and you're uh probably one of i wouldn't even say a handful of people you're probably one of you know one of a couple people that i actually look to for inspiration because you're just always going bro you're never letting off the gas and and i really appreciate that about you hey man i appreciate it goes both ways the the respect goes both ways because i i see it in you as well like the we have we have heart of the hustler yeah you can't keep us down hell yeah i love it I man don't be so before we get out of here where can people uh find you at you and the at brands oh yeah at brian esr on instagram that's my personal page and then if you want to follow the brands at eat sleep race at fast kids club and um yeah, then you could also check out OGS if you want to come see me at one of the events. That's at OGS1320 and at Official Age Day. Got it. Okay, cool. Make sure uh, you guys check out all the instas below. I'll have it listed. Uh, make sure you check out the next Age Day, like you said, uh, August 15th and 16th in New Hampshire at the New England Dragway. And if you can't make that one, the next one is going to be on September 19th, 20th in Maryland at Cecil County Dragway. That one, we will be at that. I'm excited to go out there and um, try to uh, salvage whatever we can of 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ho hopefully uh, things keep getting better. Yeah, definitely be a good time, man. So uh, I want to thank you, Brian, for your time, dude. Um, thank you for everything that you do for the community. And thank you for just being a good friend, man. I really appreciate you, bro. For sure. So uh, Obviously, I'll a lot more after this definitely man so huge shout out to our sponsor heel to automotive uh you guys know they've been around since 2002 supplying you guys with the honda parts that you need make sure you guys check out marcus the website is really dope and interactive you could go there text um give him a call and he'll help you out with whatever questions you guys have at heeltoauto.com or on instagram at heel automotive and uh please please check out eat sleep race and fast kids club and uh 
get dripped out, man. You need some new clothes. You look like shit right now. This is Downtime with Downstar, episode 184, and we out. Peace.